All right, good morning once again, everybody. Welcome back to another episode where we are talking about 10 of the trending articles in the crypto news space. As always, link down in the description that you can follow where you can find access to all the articles talked about today. And thanks to all those who have subscribed. I really do appreciate it. My name is John, and uh, yeah, let's dig into everything. Hope you got yourself a big old cup of coffee. So, uh, first up on the docket today, we got to talk about Ripple a little bit, and their aims to become the Amazon of crypto. I mean, that's a goal. That is a goal. Very large, very successful. Uh, it's been hit a lot in the past for uh, negative work conditions in its warehouses, but uh, yeah, it's kind of kind of one of those weird things where I don't want to be like, they're awful, they're horrible, because I've never worked in one, I've never had personal experiences. When you have a company that big, you're obviously going to have negative experiences across the board, but eh, they seem a little, uh, they're not perfect. But they are a huge, wildly successful company, and it's a good goal to have, especially for Ripple. So, the much-talked-about and debated blockchain firm Ripple is now planning to expand its use case far beyond just streamlining cross-border payments in partnership with national and international banks. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the current international wire transfer system can take up to a week. It's very expensive. It's very um, <clears throat> archaic. And so Ripple's aim is to streamline it, make it quicker, make it faster, make it cheaper. And that actually removes a lot of friction points in international trade. So it's a very strong use case, and it's why Ripple has done so well. So Ripple has focused solely on this for the past five years. But then uh, old Brad Garlinghouse joined the company as the new CEO. Uh, under his leadership, they seem to have come to realization that their core value lies in XRP and the Ripple blockchain, not just in the use case that it provides. So basically, um, he's coming in and being like, you know, we can do more with this coin than just this, right? So uh, the head of Ripple's developer efforts said that they were moving from writing checks to writing code, which is implying that the company is trying to go big on promoting the creation of new applications for the network. Uh, and Garlinghouse is quoted as saying, uh, Amazon started as a bookseller and just sold books. We happen to have started with payments. Two years from now, you're going to find that Ripple is to payments as Amazon was to books, which I think is a pretty darn good <laughs> way of putting it. Um, Amazon did start out as just a bookseller, and as they expanded and grew and found new use cases, they saw meteoric growth, and that's the plan that Ripple has. Uh, they know the protocol works. They know it works well. They know it has a good, strong base use case. So just by starting with that, they've already got a leg up on a lot of new projects. You know, they're already successful, so it's just finding out different ways that they could be successful. And they've got the money and they got the capital that they can experiment, try 10 things, knowing that five to nine of them won't work. And then the remaining one to four that do, uh, you simply increase your investments into developing and marketing them, throwing your weight behind them and you can see some pretty good success. So this is something to watch out for. Ripple seems to be the giant, which is waking. It's currently number three by market cap. I know in the past it actually flipped Ethereum for a short period of time and became number two. I think that was back in like 2017, 2018. So it's been a while. 
but this bad boy's got the potential to be pretty big. Pretty darn big. I don't want to... Possibly it could one day be bigger than market cap-wise than Bitcoin. That's not to say Bitcoin's going to disappear, but just the use case of Bitcoin is as a store of value. And if the use case of this is actual usage, and that usage causes XRP to, you know, be used in the amount of different uh, venues that it would take to become the Amazon of the cryptocurrency world, its market cap could be functionally greater than Bitcoin. But a lot, and I mean a lot, of things have to go right for that to happen. So we will see. But hey, let's pop on over and talk about yams. Um, yeah, so the yam finance protocol broke. Like, broke, broke. So, a bug in the hastily developed contracts for yam finance resulted in the governance contracts being permanently broken and around three quarters of a million dollars worth of curve tokens locked away from use. Uh, Andre Crone, DeFi developer and founder of the YEARN protocol, told Cointelegraph that this resulted in a bugged rebase function. So YAM is supposed to be a stable coin, kind of like Ampleforth, where the contracts create or destroy supply-based tokens to maintain a dollar. So they kind of like bounce back and forth and do their best to maintain a dollar. And there was a crap ton of bugs. Um, you know, the rebase function kept exponentially increasing the supply. Then <laughs> there's an additional, you know, mechanism that's used to supposedly balance the price, but the proceeds of that got moved over to the treasury. <laughs> and then there's like a protocol in the governance system that requires a percentage of all tokens to be committed to a proposal in 12 hours. Um, and so they like did a vote and it just like went back and forth and at the end of the day the end result is both the governance and the treasury are now quote unquote bricked so basically they can't be accessed and they can't fix the bug without access so the project's probably dead or at least it's existing smart contracts and tokens so yeah it was a this is the risk that um you face unfortunately when you um buy into these very new projects um it's been a while since we've seen one flame out this quickly that wasn't intended to be a scam uh, we'll see what uh yam can do but man that is rough uh, there's a there have been a lot of articles over this because like it developed like hey there's an issue and then like back and forth like there were votes, and then they thought they saved it, and then the second bug seems to have resulted in its death after all. So it's been quite a journey with uh, Yam. If you're curious to learn more, definitely check out Cointelegraph. I will give them props on this. They've covered the story pretty darn well from start to finish, but it just stinks. Granted, thankfully, it was a stable coin and not like, you know, a like Ethereum or chain link type project where people I mean people still probably lost a good chunk of money because of yam um, I believe it's value dropped to zero which when you have a stable coin that you're planning on being a dollar um, definitely sucks so we will heart goes out to all y'all who have yam if any of you have yam
But yeah, Ugh, stinks for them. But hey, let's move on over and talk about uh, Tron. Oh, Tron, specifically the BitTorrent network. Um, so peer-to-peer -peer file sharing service BitTorrent and its little brother uTorrent have now been downloaded more than 2 billion times across various platforms. Uh, last year, the network counted for 3% of all downstream and 28% of all upstream traffic across the internet. Um, and old Justin Sun is hinting that BitTorrent would soon be releasing new products. Uh, we look forward to fulfilling our mission of improving the protocol and introducing new use cases such as decentralized file storage and live streaming products. Uh, for those of you who don't know, BitTorrent was acquired by Justin Sun's Tron Foundation in July 2018 for about $140 million, we think. Uh, at the time, the service was said to have 170 million users. In early 2019, it launched the BitTorrent token uh, to incentivize users to hold files on the network, which would increase overall download speeds. Um, I have some BitTorrent tokens. Like, they got airdropped to me somehow. I don't know why. I have them. They're essentially worthless. Um, they're less than... They're not even half a cent. They're like... <laughs> let's see move that decimal point over twice it's, it's a change they're like uh, it's it, yeah it's really it's not good it's like four one hundredths of a cent it's it's almost nothing um but as always there's quite a bit of controversy when talking about anything with tron and i've touched on it in, in a few other videos so I'm just going to kind of read through this and then, and then give my perspective. So as with many projects Sun is involved with, uh, this is very true, the platform has been involved in controversy. Everything he does is involved in controversy. He is a troll. Like, he just is. That's fine. Um, some believe that the file sharing service BitTorrent file system copied elements from the interplanetary file system, which came to a head after a recent rebranding of the BTFS logo is something strikingly similar to the IPFS logo. Yeah, the IPFS logo is a green cube with IFPS or IPFS on top of it, and the BitTorrent file system is a blue cube with BitTorrent file system listed next to it. Um, so the IPFS founder, Juan Benet, called them out immediately saying, Tron can't even think of an original logo. Um, and then, oh, Vitalik Buterin chiming in, uh, stating, uh, this tweet is honestly painful to read. It's looking like it's like looking at a zombie. The account looks like something you've grown up with and known and loved for 15 years, but underneath it, it's just, well, it, now it's just another appendage of the Sun dictatorship. So Vitalik was not pulling any punches with Tron. I've said this before and I've said it again. Original ideas don't happen very often, but if you're going to steal things cite your sources um it's just another instance of tron and justin's son engaging in behavior that will lead to short-term success but i don't know if it will lead to long-term profitability because as we enter into an era with more cross-chain collaborations if the key figure for the number two cryptocurrency in the space is calling you a dictatorship kind of hard to uh, work with that blockchain. I mean, it's not possible. 
I think he was very big, and Vitalik is just one man, but it's not a good look. It just isn't. But uh, let's hop on over and talk about Cardano. Just a smidge. Um, so as we know, it's transitioning from Byron to Shelley. Um, it's coming to an end. Input-output Hong Kong, or IOHK, is already working in parallel on the next phase of the roadmap. They announced yesterday the launch of the Decentralized Governance Program Project Catalyst as part of the fifth and final phase of Cardano Voltaire. Uh, during this phase, to be known as Fund Number One, a group of 50 volunteers will help design the program structure. Um, you know, the idea for Voltaire is eventually um, to have voting rights and a treasury. So it'll transform Cardano into a self-sustaining system. Uh, with the voting and treasury, network participants will influence future development of the network with their shares and voting rights. So you're able to vote for proposals on the network to be funded by the treasury, which is funded by tr partial tr um, transaction fees. So for staking on the network, the bulk you get the bulk of transaction fees. I don't know what the percentage actually is. Let's say it's 90%. But then 10% of all the transaction fees go to this treasury, which then the community can vote on projects to fund for development purposes. So pretty interesting. Definitely the first of its kind that I'm aware of that's on track to be released pretty successfully. Uh, but according to IOHK project manager Dor Garbesh, the system will start with an initial balance in ADA of 8 million USD. The question, according to him, is whether the community is able to manage the funds fairly and effectively. Basically just being like, we don't know, but this is the only way we're going to find out. Um, I like that, that attitude. Yeah, we don't know how this is going to go. Cardano is truly blazing a trail, but if it's successful... It's going to be a big one. They're going to be fighting with a chain link for number five in market cap, which actually leads us over to article number five here in just a second. But again, I do hold Cardano. I, I love this network. I am very biased towards this network. So please take everything I say with a huge grain of salt. But God, buy this coin. Like everything I've read, everything I've researched over the past three years, I love this coin. It's one of my favorites. But again, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm doing this for fun. Please, 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 please don't take my word for it. Don't buy Cardano because I told you to buy Cardano. Buy Cardano because I told you to. You went and you did two weeks worth of research. You listened to other YouTubers talk about Cardano. You asked your friends who are in crypto about Cardano. And you just kind of like followed its development path. Like don't, don't do something just because of me. Do your research and know that this is high, 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 high risk. Okay? Cool. All right, let's hop on over and talk about this meteoric rise of Chainlink. It's now top five crypto asset by market cap. Um, and there's a lot of different reasons why it has risen this high. So past 24 hours, Chainlink has gone up another 30%. Um, and this, as well as some of the other rises, seem tied to the demand from yield farmers trying to get their hands on well, what at the time was EM tokens with this much-typed new protocol that then crashed and burned. Um, but Chainlink has been partnered up with DeFi pretty strongly throughout the year. There's also been competition for just the number five spot in general. Um, Link finally cinched it, uh, spilling out Bitcoin Cash to the number six spot. 
Um, Chainlink has been making partnerships and integration announcements nonstop throughout the year. The biggest one was the blockchain service network that China is developing, which is truly massive. We've talked about it on the channel before, um, and I'll definitely update you if more articles start coming out of it. But essentially what this network does is China wants to make it like a one-stop shop for developers to program on multiple different blockchains and basically be an incubator for development. So it's a very interesting project. And honestly, it's it's pretty insane. I do not like China's policies or government style, but they know how to build a crypto network. They're, they are moving. So, um, yeah, so it's been doing that. Part, but Chainlink partnered up with all these DeFi projects is definitely a big, big part of it. Um, pretty much all DeFi apps require some sort of like data feed um, and they want like a preferably decentralized one and all this stuff. But lack of <laughs> this can uh, lead to a bunch of problems. But Chainlink is the best known player for off-chain oracles that can provide that necessary data feed into DeFi projects. It's winning the most from the growth in the DeFi space. Though there is now additional competition um, and even major crypto exchange OKEX is getting into the crypto game. Interesting. Uh, there's also the BAN protocol, the DIA protocol um, that are all trying to like muscle in on this, but Chainlink is the industry leader. They've got the first mover advantage. They're making their partnerships, their integration. So Chainlink, honestly, just overall has had a fantastic year because of multiple things. And it's kind of like fueling itself. You know, they're doing so well, they're getting attention, they're doing these things, they're making these announcements, their social media capital is rising, and that's just triggering everything. Honestly, I'm just like, when is it going to have a pullback? Because it is just going nuts. It's going to be chipping away at uh, Tether's heels before too long if they keep this up. Um, I'm really happy for all those of you who hold Chainlink. I never bought into it. I always thought it was kind of scammy. And I got to admit, I was wrong. I just didn't understand its potential. That's what I get for... Um, I only ever heard about it on, like lower tier websites that I'm not going to mention on this channel that, you know, back when I was like 16 and 17, I never paid it like much attention. So it's kind of crazy to see just how far this has come. But yeah, so that was the first five articles. So stand up, take a stretch, and then let's hop into number six right here. All right, well here, let's hop into article number six, talk about grayscale. Uh, specifically with how they relate on over to Ripple. So for those of you who don't know, we've talked about Grayscale. I think this is the third day in the row. Um, the buildup and then disappointingness that was their um, crypto ad. But uh, the world's they are the world's largest digital asset firm. They published an update on XRP. Uh, they wrote via Twitter that XRP has the potential to capture a considerable part of the $2 trillion global payments market. I agree with them. That's actually why we talked about it in the first article of the day with how they're looking to expand. But as this name suggests from an article they published entitled An Introduction to XRP, 
Uh, it contains a detailed explanation on the characteristics of this asset, and according to them, it was designed to address the liquidity problems that financial institutions are facing today. Uh, additionally, they you know, stated development of XRP is supervised by Ripple, which we all know uh, for this reason. Because of this, uh, Grayscale comments the adoption of the digital asset has increased and will continue to increase, and they're actually doubling down on the bet. So consistent with its report, the digital asset management firm has increased its investment. Grayscale regularly publishes updates on these investments, and according to the most recent one yesterday, um, of the 5.2 billion, yeah, billion in total assets under management, 7.2 million has been allocated to the Grayscale XRP Trust. Uh, the Bitcoin Trust has $0.7 billion in it, so it makes up the vast, vast majority of it. But XRP is um, not doing too, too bad. So at the beginning of July this year, Grayscale actually had $2.7 million in the XRP trust. So it over doubled like two and a half times, 160% increase for the fund in XRP. So that's showing Grayscale is willing to um, invest a bit more because they're confident in the space. Though keep in mind, they can be wrong. Currently, they've got uh, $80.1 million in an Ethereum Classic Trust, which, uh, you know, they're having struggles. Um, their Ethereum Trust, just regular Ethereum, is uh, $750 million currently. So Bitcoin and Ethereum make up the large, large bulk of this 5.2 billion dollars. In fact, I think someone's math is a little bit off because 4.6 plus 751 is already like 5.2. So the remainder of their assets probably make it push it closer to 5.3 in my opinion. But you know, to each their own. Whatever. But pretty interesting. Grayscale's putting a lot of trust in Ripple. Ripple's putting a lot of trust in itself. So we'll see who else is going to buy in. And here, um, let's talk about this. The article is about Cardano uh, specifically, but I, I wanted to include it because it applies to any staking or like a uh, miner that exists in space. So People are trying to build businesses around specifically Cardano's functionality, but any proof of stake protocol is starting to see this. So in a recent Cointelegraph interview, Arparnya Ju, a project director at IOHK, uh, opinioned that even at the current stage of its development, the platform is just much more than a wallet. She noted Cardano is already contributing to the gig economy as pool operators are creating businesses around staking pools. And she's quoted as saying, um, this could be a way of the future where you could be at home and run a proof of stake protocol and you can earn some rewards from it. A lot of our pool operators are doing just that and trying to figure out how to help them make a business out of it. So to me, it's already started the success for Cardano and a proof of stake system. Um, yeah, this is kind of one of the big things behind having this proof of stake. If you want to run a node, maintain a server, um, you know, have other people delegate to your contract, it's definitely, and I mean, it's definitely something that is one completely doable um, for a lot of us. If you have some knowledge of, you know, like coding and things like that, um, and it is also a good secondary income. Like honestly, I own Cardano. I'm going to be staking Cardano on, you know, Daedalus when the epochs have 
rolled around and we're finally producing and like I'm not going to be able to leave my full-time job but I would like it to be a good long-term source of income that you know as Cardano grows and develops so will the amount of money that I earn from it and eventually I can use that money to you know live like buy groceries like don't don't get me wrong here the amount of Cardano I have is gonna net me maybe $500 a year based on current prices actually no it's gonna be far less than that um, yeah maybe 300 a year based on current prices maybe but if it increases hey good on me I'm gonna be doing pretty good I'm not gonna be able to retire like a 10x of Cardano would mean I'm making maybe 3,000 a year would have to a hundred X before I would even be like I could technically live off of it if I didn't have a wife and a child <laughs> but um, yeah no and that's why a lot of people are doing this because like if you run a staking pool and you can have a successful one and you can earn you know by running this pool you can end up with you know three or four or five million ADA locked into your pool or any of these proof-of-stake protocols you can end up with that amount locked in you know for running the stake pool you get a fee so let's say you you know 10% rewards are earned you take a 2% cut out of everyone's rewards so the other person gets 8% but they don't have to worry about managing anything and it, of that 2% it costs you 1% of everyone's income to run your quote unquote business then that's 1% in profit on a million is you know that's still a decent amount it's not going to be enough that you can retire on but it isn't good side source of income just like everything else so definitely something to keep an eye on proof of stake protocols a lot of people are really interested in them for the potential in this I know Chainlinks talked about going proof of stake Tezos is a really good one that does it right now Cardano will be soon Ethereum 2.0 when the transition finally happens and their proof of stake I think that's gonna make it wildly successful um, I'll try to get into the Ethereum game a little bit I know there's certain protocols where even if you don't have 32 you'll be able to like contribute and stake so I'll be looking into those myself be pretty interesting to see but hey um, let's hop over to article number eight and kind of touch on the fact that Ethereum fees surged to about $1,200 today um, fees has obviously have been rising due to unprecedented demand for DeFi um, and the uh, DeFi exchange Uniswap accounts for the highest fees paid at 3.1 million dollarinos so transaction fees on Ethereum, uh, they reached this unprecedented level for some traders, not everyone. Um, fueled by a rise in DeFi projects and a new initial coin offering, which I guess happens. So Josh Rager, founder of the crypto trading platform Blockroots, um, he saw, he pointed us out on Twitter that he was um, trying to buy into the My MYX network um and he happened to notice that for one ethereum his gas fees were $1,292.20 which uh, is more than that stimulus check that single adults got so as it turns out the MYX token had a pretty specific smart contract issue that caused it not to accept transactions below a certain threshold and that's what pushed it into this astronomical territory uh, for those of you who don't know, gas works as fuel for the Ethereum network, so it's the fee that is paid to miners to execute a trade. 
Um, that's quite the fee. Um, I'm sure there's some pretty happy Ethereum miners out there for people who didn't pay attention to their gas and sent that much Ethereum. Dear Lord. But uh, while fees have since you know dropped to less than 200, the average um, fee for an Ethereum transaction is about $6 as of press time, but it can reach that $200 mark based on the speed you want for your transfer and the liquidity it provides to whatever DeFi project or network. You know, it's pretty darn freaking high for a network that wants to become like the world's next monetary system. Um, Ethereum is just, it's pushed up against the wall. They got the Medallia testnet ongoing. They need, and I mean they need, to drop phase zero of Ethereum 2.0 so we can see some progress because otherwise Cardano, Tezos, Chainlink at this point are going to start looking more and more attractive because they can do things quicker and faster. That's all I'm really going to say about that, but dang, that is an expensive, expensive Ethereum transaction, dear lord. Um, but yeah. All right, so Germany, we're getting close to the end here. I wanted to touch on Germany for a second. So the Federal Ministry of Justice and Consumer Protection, along with the Ministry of Finance over in Deutschland, has announced a publication of a draft law to promote blockchain technology, which provides for the introduction of electronic securities. So the current law requires that securities be securitized in a document. Uh, once this is achieved, a certificate of value is issued that functions as a contact point for the transferable facts under German property law. So in this way, the law ensures that there is traffic protection for potential buyers. By introducing this new blockchain-based law, uh, German authorities seek to guarantee the marketability of financial assets. So in addition, the law will ensure compliance in a more effective manner. So they're trying to streamline it and make it more attractive um, because regulators are concerned that advancements from other countries have made in respect to legislation, regulation, implementation of blockchain technology for issuing electronic securities. Um, and Germany wants to maintain its attractiveness as a financial center, so it, it's viewing this law as a necessary thing it needs to push out so it can update their security process which I'm a big fan of, please absolutely update your thing based off blockchain. It's amazing that this was impossible just over 10 years ago. This technology didn't exist and we have major countries passing laws to adopt it. It's insanity to me. Um, I hope that's not lost on all of you. Not too much to say about this other than good on you Germany, but dang. That is impressive. And then rounding out things with number 10, so Bitcoin-backed US dollar loans are coming for Coinbase. So they announced that eligible customers in 17 out of 50 US states will soon be able to get these loans collateralized by their Bitcoin holdings. Uh, Coinbase announced via a blog post that starting this fall, US customers in selected states would be able to borrow cash using Bitcoin held in their Coinbase accounts um, up to 30%. So if you own one Bitcoin and Bitcoin's worth $10,000, you can borrow up to 3,000 bucks from them. Pretty interesting. And then you can either pay them back or if you can't pay them back, they'll just take your Bitcoin. You know, the standard stuff. Uh, Nexo 
protocol already does this. We've talked about Nexel on the channel a few times. They actually have their uh, dividend coming out here, I think in three days, two days? I don't know. Time is malleable at this point. But um, it's an interesting idea. The annual percentage rate is 8%. You have to pay interest each month and repay your principal within a year. So not too bad, honestly, for a personal loan. You just have to pay the, the interest and then once you can pay off the rest or within a year. Um, obviously Coinbase is expanding its product offerings just a smidge to compete and to grow. Uh, talk about someone who wants to be the Amazon or something. Coinbase is well on their way. Um, they're one of the few fiat exchanges in the US, though that number is growing. Um, they've got first mover advantage because they were the first like cr major creditable one. So it's kind of interesting to see that they're offering these loans. It's going to be very attractive to some people who either A, need cash in these uncertain times, or B, want to borrow $3,000 and then invest it in, say, Chainlink, because they think it's going to increase. Now that carries with it some pretty hefty, and I mean hefty risks, so do everything very, very carefully, and don't just hop into one of these things. But this is probably going to be pretty successful for Coinbase. We'll just have to see how it goes. But all right, you've made it to the end. That was 10 of the trending articles in the crypto news space. Popping on over to CoinMarketCap, taking a look at things. Bitcoin is pretty flat today, 11.5. Uh, Ethereum's up 2.24%, getting close back to 400. I'm hoping it can surmount it. Uh, Chainlink's up 14.43% on the day in the number five spot, sitting just shy of 17 bucks. Uh, XRP's down 2%. Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin SV, both down 1.7%. Litecoin's down, and Litecoin's pretty flat. Cardano's up by just over half a percent. And Tezos is back in the number 10 spot, $4.27, kind of flat. Uh, taking a look at everything in the top 20, we don't have anything too crazy. I'm just going to scroll down a little bit and see if we find anything crazy. Oh yeah, Algorand's up 26%. Good on them. Theta's up almost 10. Waves. What in the world was Waves doing? Because they're up 40% and Swipe's up 37%. Good on both of them. Uh, so yeah, that will do it for the day. Um, if you've made it this far, please, you know, subscribe. Um, it really does help out the channel. I'm very happy with how things are going, whether you found me on YouTube or on um, any of the podcast um, apps that I distribute this to. Um, I really do thank you for your time. Um, it's been really cool watching things develop, and I've enjoyed interacting with you guys in the comments on YouTube. Um, if you find me in the podcast, you can, you know, link down in the description is to the whatever the current YouTube video is because that has the actual links to all the articles talked about. Um, I did it that way because some, when I included all the articles, some podcast apps didn't properly format things so stuff got a little wonky and it was confusing for people so that's why i went that route but um yeah no i appreciate all of you watching and i'll be uh, talking to you guys again tomorrow more than likely uh stay safe stay smart and best of luck